G'day everyone, welcome to the Outback Packers podcast, the podcast where two mates from all the way across the world have a yarn talking Packers football in the green and gold. I'm Nick Gregory, joined by my co-host Joe Pearson, as always, this week breaking down the end of season awards. Here we are at the wildcard weekend. The season, as we kind of already covered, has ended in a bit of an unfortunate way. And, you know, we're kind of staring down something of a disappointment here, I guess. I'm, you know, we both try and see some of these, like, optimistic like uh, qualities of the season. And I think this is a really good opportunity to just kind of, like, reflect. You know, I mean, where are you at kind of at the, the end of the season, Joe? I'm ready for the next season to start. Just forget it and just move on to the next season. Uh, For one, I'm ready to be out of the cold weather. Uh, So, you know, usually by the time the cold weather's over, football is starting back up. So I'm I'm just ready for a clean slate. Uh, Obviously, the season didn't didn't end the way we wanted it to. And, you know, like – you know, I, I've had a lot of people ask me, oh, who do you think's going to do this? And who do you think's going to win? And it's like, really, guys, I, I at the end of the day, I'm a diehard Packer fan. And once they're out, I pretty much don't. I might check a score here or there. Or I might look at this or I might follow a coach firing or something like that or coach hiring or whatever. But once the Packers are done, I'm I'm done. You know, so I, I mean, like I said, I keep track of some scores. So I did see some of the big, the weirdness that went off in the wild card weekend, like the Chargers losing in a comeback by the Jaguars, uh, uh, Brady getting his butt handed to him. So I I did see, I I did read that stuff, but I didn't watch any of it because like I said, I just, I I lose interest very quickly. Yeah. Um, I am kind of with you. I find it really hard to stay invested in the season once the Packers are out of it. I, you know, look, I, I would love to kind of watch all the games, but, uh, you know, in in a country where the time difference is so awkward still, I, I find it really hard to justify waking up at 5 a.m. still to kind of watch these games. It's like, you know, especially on wildcard weekend where a lot of these games, you know, a lot of these teams really shouldn't be in it. You know, like the the Seahawks, you know, they got, got in on technicality and, you know, that seventh seed thing is kind of like, you know, this like things like that, it makes it kind of hard to watch. But, you know, I mean, the Jags did win this weekend, so good for them. Um, I think I'm more interested in, you know, like the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship to see who kind of gets in. I would, you know, Especially that stretch where it was just like, the Patriots, the Patriots, the Patriots. I was like, like the Patriots Rams Super Bowl. I was like, oh, it's just like so they don't really care, you know. Um, that's why, like, like last year having the Bengals in the Super Bowl was really cool and really refreshing. And um, you know, yeah, I, I, with, with like as we kind of talk about here in a moment, like the fact that all these quarterbacks are just so young now, and it's really like a, a shift in the generation of of kind of the NFL. I'm yeah, definitely really keen to see kind of how it goes, especially now that Brady's out. Friend of show Jacob Westendorf tweeted something earlier today that said that it had the Packers been put in the NFC South, they would have been in the playoffs over the Buccaneers. That tells you how shitty the NFC was this year. Yeah. With with as bad as the Packers played, they would be in the playoffs if they were in the in a different division. But I, I guess the big or the great news for Packers fans is with the Vikings are as big as frauds as we thought they were, and <laughs> and they're not moving on. They're going to be sitting on the couches with the rest of us. So, you know, like I said, outside of that, I, I really don't know too much. Uh, I, well, I do know the Jaguars one, like I mentioned, but it's crazy to think that a quarterback can throw four interceptions and still win the game. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, you know he's the reason that they would have lost if they lost the game, and he's also the reason that they would have that they did win the game. So it's just really funny how you kind of live and die by your quarterback these days. So, but yeah, I mean, other than that, there's really nothing. I I, I see on your show notes you're uh, talking about Mike Lafleur possibly maybe could join his brother, but I have this one thing to say about that. What's that? It would be great to see, you know, brother come on to staff, whatever. I know uh, Matt wanted Mike to come over and be his OC. Uh, was it last year? Uh, year I before? think it was in, yeah, 2021, I believe he wanted him. 
Um, but there's a reason he's not with the Jets anymore. There's a reason why he's not being spoken about in other tones. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's bad, but I th- I think there needs to be a fresher look because, you know, Matt and Mike are going to sh- have similar concepts with their offense. And, I mean, I know it's weird for me to say saying that since I said that I wouldn't mind bringing Nathaniel Hackett back, but I think there needs to be a fresher look with the offense. I don't think they're going to fire Stinovich from being the OC, so whoever comes in is going to have to be, uh, you know, like – head coaching assistant or, you know, assistant to the head coach, passing game consultant, or, you know, the Dwight Schrute of the Green Bay Packers staff or whatever you want to call it. Um, So in a way, I think it would just be a repeat of what we're already dealing with, with Matt LaFleur. But then again, is Mike going to want to take, you know, a quote unquote downgrade in job because he's going to go from an OC to here to be a consultant or assistant or whatever we figured we called it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, the thing that I come back to is like, I, I definitely do agree that this offense as a whole needs, you know, a bit of a refreshment, a bit of a, you know, a new perspective. But then at the same time, you see who's really the best offense in the league right now. It's, it's Kyle Shanahan and Mike LaFleur, you know, there's this whole thing that, um, uh, that, that Matt LaFleur is a Sean McVay disciple, which is partially true, but really all those guys get their roots from Mike Shanahan, right? And his brother, Mike LaFleur is even more of a Shanahan guy because he never worked with Sean McVay in such a close capacity the way that he did. And I think, you know, kind of getting back to, a little bit less of kind of like trickery and misdirection, like a lot of the things that you see them try to do this year, you know, like the Anne Lazard thing um, and kind of get back more to like relying on play action and kind of, you know, building your team from the ground up and, you know, just like, just like you just need reliable options. I think there's so many times this year where in the end zone, they just tried to get too cute. You know, you have Aaron Jones sitting right there. Like we said last week, two rushing touchdowns on the season is just absolutely ridiculous. And, that way that they ran the Jets offense early in the season was actually re- really, really good. And I, I really loved the play calling on the Jets offense for most of the year. So, you know, I think that's an offense that was really held back by the quarterback who was just awful. And, um, you know, whatever happens, I hope that Michael LaFleur gets a good look from a good team. Um, and I would love to have him on, on, on the Packers if you can't tell. <laughs> but here's a question for you or maybe not a question, but more of a statement or a quandary or whatever you want to call it. The 49ers did better without Mike LaFleur than they did with him. I mean, but also that's because the, the 49ers <laughs> have like the best offensive <laughs> roster in football right now. <laughs> to be fair, the, this version of the 49ers is, is a very, a very recent thing. I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm not going to... They're going to do whatever they want to do with it, but I, I think the big concern is, is Mike going to want to come in and not be an offensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Because sure. like for I said, sure. I don't see them firing Stinovich. I don't see Stinovich taking a, a demotion uh, unless he gets uh, uh, pilfered by another team, which I don't see with the way the cool. Packers offense kind of regressed this year. Uh, so I, is Mike going to want to come here and just be an assistant or a passing game, you know, advisor or whatever we were just calling him. So mm-hmm. that's going to be the big question. Same with yeah. Nathaniel Hackett. Is he going to want to come back and not be the offensive coordinator? Yeah, I think, yeah, no, definitely. I agree with everything that you just said there. And, you know, look, uh, um, Stanovich was kind of a bit of a disappointment at OC, which kind of like I felt like might happen because he is one of those guys who was just a phenomenal uh, like O-line coach, but maybe not as, as strong of a, 
uh, offensive mind when it comes to the play calling and scheme side of things. But you know, I think he deserves another year. And yeah, it's it's there's no way that you can argue that Senovich deserves to be fired after one season. I mean, you know, by a lot of accounts, the the offense was actually more successful statistically than defense this year. So you know, it's pretty tough to kind of argue that any of those guys should be straight up fired. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely I agree with everything that you just said. Um, the last thing I kind of want to mention before we get just into the the official offseason awards is, you know, <laughs> we have to say it, the, the Vikings were the frauds we all knew they were. Just get absolutely, like, clowned by the Giants. I mean, embarrassing defense, embarrassing performance, and feels good. <laughs> feels good to watch it happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was excited for it. Uh, and I know Justin Jefferson had a complete shit game, so I, I think Jair broke him. Uh, I can't go into the stats because I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I know the last few games after the the Packers-Vikings game, Justin Jefferson definitely was not the same. So, mm-hmm. you know, Jair definitely broke him. It's going to be <laughs> funny to see what happens next year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's his first, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in Justin Jefferson, but it's his first kind of um... – bump in the road you know as it were i guess he you know he's, he's he has a very bright future but you know it's something that he has to, he uh, has to work through now and probably with a new quarterback for next season so yeah we'll see maybe it's just you know it's just um yeah it's just, uh, kind of funny that, that we get to be the one celebrating the 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 loss in the playoffs this year not the other way around <laughs> yeah I, it's funny and i know vikings fans were having meltdowns on twitter and it's been glorious yeah, so with that, I, I think it's probably time to get into the into the season awards. I think the, the the award that we always start with is a team MVP, the player that you thought was the most valuable, that did the most for this team, and was the biggest key to this team in the wins that they got. Who do, who do you got, Joe? Aaron Jones. Uh, he's been basically the best playmaker the Packers have had forever, it seems like. Um even with his limited carries, he still managed to crack over a thousand yards. Uh, he didn't have the rushing touchdowns, but he did have a decent amount of uh, receiving touchdowns. He can do it both in the passing game and the rushing game. So, uh, yeah, my MVP of the team this year is Aaron Jones. Yeah, I think that's extremely fair. Um, you know, he, he was kind of the reason that the offense got movement for a lot of the season. And, you know, yeah, it sucks that he wasn't used more. But I think a lot of that was kind of injuries, as Matt LaFleur alluded to, towards the end of the season. But, um, you know, like he said, I, I kind of hope, hope that he gets an even bigger 2023 season, which, you know, if he is back, which I hope he is, could be his biggest season yet, you know. Um, my player for the MVP... <laughs> and I know Joe's going to make fun of me for this one. It's uh, it's Christian Watson. I think um, as someone who, you know, as a, as a as a player who wasn't on wasn't really part of the team for the first half of the season, he was almost single handedly responsible for the kind of offensive resurgence. You know, that, obviously that kind of coincides with things like the O line coming back together and you know Aaron Rodgers' thumb getting better, but. The, the field stretching ability and the fact that he cemented himself as the number one wide receiver purely off his own merit in the second half of the season. I mean, it's just, it's so valuable and it's hard to make a case that he's not the most valuable player purely in terms of like value if you were to move him or trade him or what he means to this team going into the future. That, that Yeah, that there's not a more valuable player than he is at the moment. I have a feeling all these awards are going to be Christian Watson for you, even like <laughs> defensive player of the year. And uh, yeah, for everyone, obviously uh, we don't we don't put out a video version of this podcast, but I um I, I got my my first NFL jersey this is past week, and of course it's a Christian Watson jersey. Not very uh, not very unpredictable for anyone who listens to this show, and uh, <laughs> yeah, feels good. <laughs> like I said, I I can see him being. Uh your pick for every award on this list. I see it happening. Well, I don't even think Christian scored a tackle. So, but you're still going to pick him for like defensive player. (laughs) Well, there's there's one award that I'm definitely not going to give Christian. And that's the least valuable player. Who do you got for this, this person who you think was just, uh, you know, not someone that you don't want to see on the Packers, but you know, someone who's just God, you know, why, why are they still here? Like, Oh, you know, if only that was someone else who was better. 
Oh, my guy definitely needs to be gone from the Packers. His time is up. Uh, <laughs> Dean Lowry, uh, thank you for your service. Wish you best in your future endeavors. But, buddy, you just can't hack it anymore. I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if it's decline in uh, abilities. I don't know what it is. But you just I, – I don't know. There are too many times this year that you were getting completely washed out of plays. So, I, you know, like I said – Wish you the best. Uh, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean, I even have Lowry as one of my answers here for that. Um, I think you know it's tough because I think that Lowry is a guy who I don't think he's necessarily like that bad of a player, but he's just so average. And when when he's your starter and he's just been so painfully average for this the past what like four or five years now, um, you know it's a guy who really should have been like your your third string D lineman really. Um, so yeah, look, I'm not going to miss him if he does end up leaving, but um, yeah, it's, it's tough to see like see him trotted out in the field, especially when we had uh, Devonte Wyatt just kind of chilling out there in the, in the depth chart. <laughs> Dean's a free agent at, um, at the beginning of the new new season. If he somehow gets a new contract with the Packers, he's got some kind of dirt on Brian Gutekunst. And 100%. Whether that's like naked pictures of his wife or, or you know, <laughs> him in some kind of compromising position, I don't know. But if Dean Lowry has another contract with the Packers, there is something wrong in Green Bay. Yeah. Um, look, my pick for the least valuable player is uh, Adrian Amos. I, I had to say it, but um, the guy's cooked. He's just lost all kind of explosiveness and uh, speed, physicality at the position. And, you know, when when you, when he was that guy who was just the super rangy safety, you can do everything and can come downfield at any time. It's really hard to watch that decline happen so quickly. But, you know, next season, he's, he's going to be 30 or, or 31. And, um I just think that it's really difficult. I mean, That's I mean, not it, old, Nick. <laughs> it's so old. Like, old. like, oh, man, you're basically my grandfather. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, look, he's probably going to be back next year just purely for salary cap reasons because they have to pay him $5 million either way. So he probably is back just as, like, depth or whatever, but it's just so hard to kind of watch that. And it hurts because he was one of my favorite defensive players his whole time in Green Bay. So, you know, I hope that he gets a chance to kind of make things right, if, whether it is with the Packers or not. Um, but, yeah, he's he was uh, pretty pretty tough watch this season. So that's where the whole uh, um, void years kind of confuses me because if you see any of the lists for uh, – free agency he's one of the guys on the free agent list so does that yeah. mean he's a free agent does that mean he's still on the team you know i, I so, don't understand the void years when it comes to that stuff yeah so basically like you know they kind of yeah i don't know how it works in terms of like legal classification of a free agent but obviously yeah, he's not he's not he's not contracted to be with the team but his yeah his salary cap expenditure is like yeah is like floated off into the nether realm that we still pay him the five million which is why a lot of people wanted kevin king back because he, he was getting paid either way as well for the same reason it, it is kind of weird how that's like possible <laughs> but um yeah they, they they do owe him five million of it on the cap this year even if he's not on the team yeah that void year stuff has been a recent thing it's definitely not been around very long mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah. Who, who's your pick for the offensive player of the year? I know you just kind of pick Aaron Jones as the, the, <laughs> the, the offensive engine. Who you got here? This one I really struggled with because there were some guys that made plays, but weren't really, you know, big time. You know, you, you have like Alan Lazard who led the team in receiving yards, but really wasn't a spectacular player at all. Uh, in, uh, AJ Dillon had the most rushing touchdowns. Uh, Romeo Dobbs played well, but he didn't really lead the team in anything. So it was really hard. And I didn't want to double up and take Aaron Jones for MVP and offensive player. So it kind of cut my pick of people were kind of cut short. So I went with Christian Watson 
there's really not much more I can add that you haven't said already <laughs> about him. Um, I, I know we all thought he was a bust at the earliest point just because he didn't make the one catch in Minnesota, but you know, he really came on strong later on when he finally got his confidence up. Uh, he did still have moments where he seemed to not be there, whether that's youth, whether that's, you know, Rogers not hitting the right spots, but he definitely has a bright future if he can continue to build on what he did this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, me and Joe have kind of swapped players here for MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. Um, yeah, my, 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 my pick for Offensive Player of the Year is Aaron Jones. Uh, you know, again, like, like, like we kind of said earlier, he is, he is really kind of the lifeblood of that offense. And, you know, this offense looks the best when it runs through Aaron Jones. And that has been the case for four years now, even before before Matt LaFleur had, had come along. Um, he's a, such an electric player and he can he really can do it all. And, you know, I know we've seen seen uh, Rogers miss him on that kind of go ball probably like 110 times by this point but he has great hands and you know he can run really good routes and he's just developed into such a great all-rounded back and he's you know he's kind of like a continual top five running back in the league so yeah I yeah he's my pick for the offensive player of the year the only thing he needs to fix is stop fumbling in crucial moments it's funny you say that actually because yeah, he definitely he definitely has a habit of fumbling in crucial moments, but I think he still only has like six career fumbles, which is extraordinarily low when you look at like a you know per play. Oh, basis. it is, but look at when the fumbles usually happen. It's when we need him not to fumble. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's absolutely true. You think of think of every big loss they've had, and it's usually uh, punctuated by Aaron Jones fumble. <laughs> Yeah, and that's usually what knocks the winds out of the wind out of the Packers' sails is when he fumbles, then everything just goes downhill. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's your pick for the defensive player of the year? You know, this is a unit that was a little bit disappointing, or a lot of bit disappointing. You know, some, a unit that was supposed to be kind of top three or top one heading into this season, ideally. Um, you know, wh- who was the bright spot for you on this defense? Well, like you said, and like I kind of talked about with the offense, it's really a small group because there weren't very many bright spots on it. Uh, A lot of the guys that we had high expectation for really regressed coming into the season. So, but I talked about this guy. It seemed like every episode of our podcast, and I said the one thing I loved about it was that he was finally trash-talking on the field. I think people started to finally come around to his trash-talking when he did the gritty on Justin Jefferson um, and caused him to almost knock out a ref and really must have screwed him up because he didn't do – Justin Jefferson really did not do well the last few games of the season. (laughs) But my guy is Jair. Yeah, he was kind of up and down for the most part over the season – yeah, he tra- he did do some trash talking at some not opportune times, but he still showed that he's definitely a top corner in the league. He's definitely worth the money that they're paying him. And now with this new attitude, I don't know how you can't love the guy. Yeah, man. I, I, I find it difficult to disagree with anything that you said there. Um, look, my pick, if, if he was around for the whole season, would be unequivocally Rashawn Gary. This is, you know, kind of the real heart and soul of the defense, basically one-man pass rush on his side of the ball there. But, you know, with him out, you know, I have to I have to agree with you. It's to Jay Alexander. He is, um, in terms of pure play, he's, he's the, you know, arguably the best player on this defense. And someone who's getting paid, he's, yeah, like you said, he's, he's worth every single dollar. So I, I love the attitude that he brings. I love the swag and... You know, yeah, this, you know, I, I will, I, it's going to be one of the best memories from this, this season is just him, you know, swatting the ball out of Justin Jefferson's hand and just doing the gritty in his face. And the whole defense is running into Justin Jefferson's face after that interception. It's just, you know, it kind of, it's, it's fun to see that, um, yeah, the kind of attitude at the defense. And it, it starts with Jaya. And really, it, it came down to, you know, who else would have been a bright spot on this team and on the defense? And like I said, there really wasn't any. You know, the safeties were kind of eh. Razul and Devondre, after getting paid, were just kind of eh. The only one that I, other one that I could really think of 
to earn defensive player would have probably been Preston. And even he didn't have a tremendous season. I mean, he still led the it led the team in sacks, but it still was only eight and a half sacks. Rashawn was well on his way to get that by midseason had he not tore his ACL. So, I mean, it, there was really no one else that I could think of that would have been perfect for the main guy of the defense. So, I, yeah, I, there was no other choice. Yeah, and it's a shame because I think this would have been a really good year for Rashawn to make a, a serious run at the Defensive Player of the Year for the league. You know, I, I don't think there's really any clear-cut candidate for that award um, with this, now that the season's over. So, you know, it's a shame that, you know, the next year and a half most likely is going to be real tough for him to come back. But, um, yeah, you know, I think these are the kind of the, the bright young stars we have in this defense. And, you know, I hope that uh, next year is better for him. The only bright spot is is him being injured maybe, maybe will lower his price tag a little bit when it comes to <laughs> re-signing him. Yeah, maybe say, lowers I, I, it just a hair. I hate to say it, but yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be another market setting contract. Otherwise, I mean, and it's hard to argue against it, right? <laughs> so yeah, I don't know it, it but yeah, had, had he not been injured, he probably would have been it. I mean, I I still might have went Jair over him if if you could put Alex Jair's season with what Rashawn probably was projected to have. I still think I would have went Jair a little bit more because I think Jair would have had a little bit better stats because with Rashawn rushing, it would have pressured the quarterback more Mm -hmm. and the quarterback would have had more mistakes, you know, but that's all. What if, what if, you know, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle, you know, type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, nobody will know, but yeah, it, it's it's a toss-up really yeah yeah well i think this next award i think both of us are going to go defense here but um who was your favorite draft pick of the year well i call it the rookie of the year not my favorite <laughs> draft pick the rookie of the year uh i went with quay walker obviously i figured you would go christian watson just because you're like the Christian Watson number one super fan, um, you know, whatever. But yeah, Quay had a couple of stupid moments. He kind of started off a little bit slow, but once he got into his groove, he really turned things on. You know, what was it? 121 tackles, one and a half sacks, uh, three yeah. fumble, uh, forced fumbles, uh, numerous tackles for loss. I can't even think how many there were. I don't think he ever did nab the interception. Uh, so that was the only one thing he didn't have. And he had numerous pass deflections too. So I, I really thought he did come on late. Things might have been different against the Bills and against the Lions had he not pulled a stupid stunt and got kicked out of both those games. But once mm-hmm. he matures, man, if he can – harness that energy to and stay on the field i i really love what he brings to the linebacking core yeah i think you know uh, for a pick that was so polarizing at the time he like by the end of the season he was playing like a veteran linebacker and you know uh, another stat to tack on what you what you just said there to already an already impressive rookie campaign he um he led the nfl in uh he led the NFL rookies in the in PFS stop defensive stop stat, which is you know uh, any play where the defensive player is responsible for stopping the offense and making an unsuccessful play. And yeah, I mean you know as a player, he was just built as a super raw guy who again don't forget he he didn't even start for his own college team, and for him to end up as the best rookie linebacker out of that bunch is just it's really impressive. And you know like you said, if you look look at his stat line, you would think that he was probably a top fifteen, top twenty type linebacker and. You know, the way that he kind of put it all together with some weaker games in there is so impressive. And to see that growth from him, you know, and next year I think is going to be even bigger for him. It's just going to be so, so, so exciting to see because he has so much potential. You know, it's funny, and I'd had to do the research on it right now because my mind's kind of foggy. But do you know another linebacker that I don't think ever made a college start? And if he did, it was like his senior year of college. 
Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> who, who are you thinking of? Clay Matthews. Really? He didn't start until his senior year? I don't think he started even... Uh, I'm trying to look it up real quick so we're not like a lot of downtime, but I don't think he started a game in his senior year, or I mean in his college career. Yeah, right. That's crazy. It's just so hard because, you know, when you draft players, even if you draft the best player on their team for each position, there's no guarantee that they're going to be good in the NFL. So the fact that he's kind of come from that backup role or, you know, kind of a very, like, limited role and done so well in that, like, starting unit. Because for a lot of the season, he was wearing the green dot. He was calling plays and he was he was the Mike linebacker. So, you know, it's just like, so yeah, it's so impressive a player like that. And over guys like um, Devin Lloyd and... Uh, Nicobe Dean, who you know w- w- were supposed to be these kind of plug and play guys, and he's better than both of them at this point. Right, and I, like you said, he was kind of a polarizing pick. I it wasn't who I thought was going to be picked, but I wasn't against the pick. I was surprised that the Packers went in that direction with the pick because you know mm. I think the last time they took an actual inside linebacker. Not somebody who they converted to inside linebacker, but an actual inside linebacker in the first round was probably Nick Barnett. Mm. Um, I I know they took A.J. Hawk in the first round, but A.J. Hawk was an outside linebacker when they drafted him, and they converted him to inside when they switched to the 3-4 defense. So, yeah, yeah, I just – I. Like I said, it, I figured it was going to be a wide receiver just the way the things were moving, and I think it was kind of hopefulness. But when they said inside linebacker from Georgia, and how, you know, you can't really go wrong with the Georgia teams. I mean, they're producing even more stars than what Alabama does, yeah. and that's something. I mean, usually Alabama's the team that, oh, well, that guy came from Alabama. He's going to be an instant success in the NFL. Well, now you're kind of saying it with – um with Georgia guys. So uh, I, I don't think he could went wrong with any of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I love play, man. I think, um, you know, it's funny if, if you get that draft and you, if you swap the position of, of Quay and, and Watson, you know, there's things like the extra year, whatever, but you know, purely just the thing about if you had taken them in, the, in opposite spots, I think people would have been really happy with the way that, that kind of those first two rounds uh, panned out. Um, and, you know, like you said, Every, you know, th- th- thinking about that that Georgia team from 2021, every single starter on that defense was picked in the first two rounds of the draft. And I think the only second rounder from that defense was Tyson Campbell, the, the, the other corner opposite Eric Stokes, which is just absolutely insane. For a college defense to be full of first round picks is just absolutely nuts. And, you know, and the, the, the best one, is it wasn't even drafted last year. It's going to be drafted this year, Jalen Carter. You know, it's, it's just crazy. Um yeah, look, I, I was going to say Kingsley and Enigbari for this this rookie draft pick, but um, I kind of talked myself into picking Quay as well. <laughs> well, uh, Kingsley, you know, because I, I was thinking of him too, but he really didn't come on until after the Rashawn injury. So, I mean, he didn't put up a full season of stats. Had he done what he did when he finally got playing time, you know, I, I think he could be in the talks for it too. And I, I know he did pretty good. He was what top three in uh pass rush wins for rookies. Uh he was he was his number for, one. He had, he had number the, one, yeah. He had the, the best um yeah, pass rush win rate by multiple different um, you know, metrics or whatever you want to follow. He, right. he led by quite PFF. a decent margin. Yeah, and ESPN and whatever else you follow, but as you know, you know the, the reason why edge rushes are coveted so highly in the draft is because you very rarely find them outside of those first two rounds of the draft. And to get someone, you know, yeah, as a rookie, it's very different. And I don't think he's going to be the best rookie edge rusher from this class once everything's said and done. But, you know, someone who played so well and is already so technically skilled as a fifth round rookie, I mean, that's just such a home run and you barely ever see that in the draft. So, I mean, hats off to, to Goot for finding that. Right now, I think you could say that this is probably the best draft class Goody's had so far. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Um, at least, you know, this first year, you know, if we're going off first years of the draft picks, far and away the best one. And I think probably the best one that he's had so far, look, going into the future. 
Um, All right. So what's your next award? Yeah. So I think for this next one, I think we both kind of got the same obvious answer. Comeback player of the year. I think it's really not possible to argue anyone else besides David Bakhtiari. The only other one I think you could argue is probably Elton um, because Elton didn't go through the time frame that Bakhtiari did, but with as quick as he came back from uh, the ACL, he could be argued it maybe come back. But yeah, it's hard to pass up David Bakhtiari. Being out of football for almost two and a half years, you know, what was it, three to five surgeries, all kinds of issues, and to come in and finally start playing again and come back and settle in at an at what seemed like an elite level once he got back into playing shape it, it's hard to pick anybody but him for comeback yeah it's really kind of reminiscent of the the Andrew Luck comeback you know like he was gone for basically the same amount of time two years and you know no one was sure he was ever going to play again and in the season he was still rehabbing and he was getting taken out of games that whole weird thing with Josh Nyman where they're playing half games together it was so bizarre and really unprecedented and for him to kind of just take that job once again and you know solidify himself again as a top five left tackle you know in that injury year where he was still struggling from the knee at the start of the year it's yeah it's remarkable that's why I think some of it might have been his own confidence he wasn't sure about how the knee was going to handle. And once he got into finally got into contact and finally got into gameplay and the knee wasn't causing him any more issues and he got settled in, you know, the confidence got back into it. I'm not saying it was all confidence because good Lord knows that with as many surgeries he's had with as many issues as he's had with the injury he had, you know, it, it could be more than that, but I think part of it was just, trying to build his confidence back into his own knee. So, but it's great to see. I know some people are saying, you know, well, maybe he won't be on the team next year. I think the only reason, the only way he's not on the team next year is if he retires because Mm -hmm. there's too much dead money compared to cap relief. If they were to trade or cut him and I just don't see it happening. Yeah, totally agree. And it's just so hard to to ask for a guy to come off the team when we just got him back and he plays such a high level and such a high character guy, you know, and someone who's been so good for this team for so long. One of the rare packers to get a third contract with the team. You know, uh, yeah, it's yeah, I, I love having him on the team. And yeah, it's great to see him back. So kind of as we get here and into away from the player awards and the more kind of, uh, you know, abstract kind of awards, what was your play of the season? <laughs> this one was easy. I mean, I had only been predicting it for three weeks and it finally <laughs> happened. Uh, the Keyshawn Nixon touchdown return. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, he got so close against Miami. He was, you know, he was gaining so many yards on so many kickoffs that everybody knew he was going to break it at some point. And just to see the wide open hole the special teams created for him. I, and against the Vikings, you know, it made it even better. So I, I don't know how you could pay. Well, I do know. I know you're probably going to end up with like, you know, Christian Watson touchdown or, you know, Christian Watson end around or Christian Watson, sort of, <laughs> you know, but uh, I, in my opinion, I don't know how you could pick anything other than the Keyshawn one because that's the first touchdown uh kickoff return for a touchdown since Randall Cobb did it in 2011. So yeah, I, I don't know how you could pick anything else but that, but Nick, yeah. Lee, just watch him. <laughs> look, I, <laughs> I think out of all these awards, we're only allowed to pick one of the same, the same answer. So I have to be a bit of a contrarian here because I think you're absolutely right that the, the, the context of that and, and you know, in that game where we had, you know, we just get like uh, taken, you're given the ball away to the Vikings, and you know we we're kind of looking for that bit of a bit of a spark on on the, on the to score, and you know, yeah, like you said, we we, been, we knew it was coming. I mean, it was only a matter of time, and he finally got one, and you know, he solidified himself. I think that's really when he won that All Pro spot for himself was that week, and you know, what a story for the special teams to kind of come, they've come back from being really bad again at the start of the year and, you know, the whole Amari Rogers thing. And 
Nixon comes in, gets like you said, the first the first time we've had one for decades, or sorry, a decade. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just amazing to see and what it meant for the the context of that game. But I think yeah, like you said, you know me, my my play of the season was that first touchdown in Dallas from Christian Watson, where he's that, that kind of uh, that fade ball on the right side and really, really similar to that first ball that he missed in the Minnesota game, the first play of the season. And, you know, he, he gets the ball and that's when they kind of get the offense rolling once again. And really what got the offense rolling for that whole second half of the season. And that, you know, I think the context of that uh, score and catch and what it meant for Christian's confidence and the backflip and, you know, this uh, to see the team kind of, you know, come back to life again against the Cowboys who were running really hot at that point. You know, it, it, that's kind of my play of the season there. I can't say anything else because I, I kind of predicted that you were going to say something <laughs> with the Christian Watson one. So, I, I mean, there yeah, were seven know, touchdowns of his that I could have said was going to be your pick, and it was just a toss-up on I could have rolled a, <laughs> a – D8 to figure out how which one you were going to pick. My play of the season was the Christian Watson drop. I mean, did you see the way he moved on that before he dropped the ball? <laughs> I figured you were going to say like the Alan Lazard uh, end around on fourth and one. The, the, the first or the second one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a Matthew. Don't want to talk about that. <laughs> so, which position group do you think was kind of the most disappointing or you wanted to see more out of from this team? All of them. <laughs> it's hard to argue that. Eh? Uh, I chose safety just because it seemed like they all went downhill. You know, like you said, Amos seemed to be torched. Uh, Savage was in his own little world. Uh, I mean, Rudy Ford had three interceptions, but it wasn't like he was they were spectacular interceptions. Um, I I can't even think of who else played safety at any point this year. That's uh, how I mean, shitty it was. Micah Abernathy in preseason. <laughs> well, that was in preseason, but he didn't even get a look at it in, um, yeah. in the regular season. So I, out of all of them, I would have to say safety. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had to say, but I, I got I got to agree with you here. If if not if not safety, um, purely just again to to play the contrary, I think it's defensive line. Um, kind of what we were expecting out of that group, a bit of a resurgence and that um, yeah, disappointment really. You know, I I really liked Jaron Reed even in his old age, and you know, we think we got Devonte Wyatt and stuff was really nice, but it's not enough out of this defensive line to kind of carry the slack of losing Rashawn Gary because. Really, for a lot of the season there, it was just Kenny Clark on his own once again. And that's why you saw that until they kind of started to bring some pressure again late in the season. That's why you saw Kenny Clark struggle so bad in the middle of the season there. So, you know, that's, that's something that I was really uh, disappointed seeing this season. Yeah, I, I thought defensive line too. But, I mean, at least we were getting some splash plays out of the defensive line. We were getting almost nothing out of the safety group so uh, like I kind of it was kind of half joking half truth when I said all the positions on the whole team were kind of the worst position but with the way the team played this year it it could fit even with a you know four-time MVP as your quarterback the quarterback group really kind of sucked this year Uh, even with Aaron Jones at running back you know the running back position really kind of sucked this year we knew the wide receiver group wasn't going to be that great. The tight end group hasn't been great for years. So I, I think the only one that you could say really did great was the offensive line. And that's pretty sad when your offensive line is your best position group out of the whole team. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's, you know, the, the Packers really didn't make these awards easy for us, did they? No, not at all. <laughs> Damn you, um, Packers. 
The last one that I want to cover here before we get into the, these final few awards is who is your guy for this upcoming season? I mean, not not a player who's necessarily the the best player or you know someone you think is going to have the biggest year, but who's someone that you're really rooting for to kind of improve or just you know be more important to this team and you know someone that you just want to see succeed. You know, I've been trying to think of this the whole time we've talked about all this and going through the show notes and everything. I really don't know. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I would say probably Romeo Dobbs. Just yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, he, he was really, you know, the way he was running routes and all that, I, I hate to say it, but he was giving me Devontae vibes. And I would really love to see how he can grow into that, depending on who our quarterback is going into next year. Uh, I, I would love to see how he common thing I said throughout all the episodes, stack successes, and let's see mm-hmm. if he can stack success into next year and really refine himself into what we were kind of missing with Devontae. I know you're the Christian Watson stan, but I think <clears throat> while his route running in that got better and he's a real playmaker, I think the bread and butter guy is going to be Romeo Dobbs just because of the routes he's running and the toughness he has, you know, I I think that's going to be the bread and butter guy while, you know, Christian's going to be the meal guy, you know, for you guys that don't know, Nick is a cook. So I'm trying to use phrases (laughs) that he would, he would get. I definitely, I hear what you're saying. I think Christian, the way I would say it is Christian Watson is the dessert and Romeo Dobbs is the vegetables that kind of keep your, keep your body moving. Because I, I, you know, I, I agree the exact same way. I think, I think, uh, you know, Christian Watson is going to be, I don't think he's ever going to be that massive high volume guy that Devontae Adams was because really Devontae Adams is just a mega juiced up steroid version of, yeah, of that kind of possession chain moving guy, you know. There was years there where uh, Devontae Adams led the league in yards after catch, but that's not what he was there for, right? I mean, he was the guy who was just always open, always reliable. He's just the guy that can move the chains. And that's really, like like you said, that's really what I see for Romeo going into the future. I think, you know, I, I, I think that Christian's going to be very reliable, obviously, but when it comes to those tough moments and, you know, the, Christian Watson's triple covered. You need someone who can just get open and you can just get that, you know, the third and three, the third and five, someone to just keep the offense moving. I think that's really what the offense lacked this year. Um, you know, that kind of Randall Cobb, the kind of Cole Beasley, you know, um, you know, whatever, whatever slot receiver or whatever, you know, underneath guy you want to label. But I think Romeo can really be that guy. And he's already a good route runner and he's such a hard worker and he you know, he's smart. And, you know, it's, it's so hard to just not root for him. You know, I think he, you know, I think he has a very bright future for this team. And you know, let's not forget that he was, you know, in the offensive rookie of the year conversation early in the year. I wish Devontae was on the team when we drafted Watson and Dobbs. Mm. Yeah, because I wish the one thing that Dobbs could learn is that jump step that Devonte had coming off the line. Because yeah. I think if Dobbs can learn that, Dobbs is going to be a top five guy in the league. I mean, he, he's obviously he's got to work on his hands. There were some balls thrown to him that he probably should have caught through the season, but you know that's a young guy thing. Look how many Devonte dropped in his first few years in the league. So that's something he's going to have to work through, but he's got the main thing down. He's got the route running. He was running some of the best routes I've seen out of a rookie in a while. And he had the hand usage and he had the, you know, this, all this other stuff. And I think he's a little bit faster than what Devonte was coming out. But if he can learn that Devonte jump step to throw the DB off on the line, this kid's going to be unstoppable. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't think that Romeo is as, you know, fluid and like, you know, snappy as um, Devante is, but, you know, who is, you know, I mean, I, I don't think the, the goal for this team should be trying to recreate Devante Adams, but, you know, like, yeah, that kind of role, and like you said, you know, I just think that he, he, he can be a very, very good receiver, and it is a shame that Devante isn't still with the team, because I think he would have been a great mentor for, for Romeo, because, you know, athletically, they, they do profile so similarly, and, um, you know, yeah, I just think, yeah, he's a, such a lovable character. You know, you, you, you saw that thing on Twitter a couple of weeks ago with, um, 
you know, him doing the little dance after the victory formation and he, he had shown the video and he kind of was like a little bit embarrassed and laughing about it. And I mean, it's just so hard to not root for this guy. The neighbor's cat just pulled open the door and walked into my shed. <laughs> is, that, is that a common occurrence? <laughs> well, I mean, the neighbor cats come over, but yeah, he just pulled open the door and walked in and looked at me like, hey, what's up? Man, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking animals. All right, anyway. Friend of the pod, neighbor's cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably cut that stuff out, so go ahead and jump into your next stuff. Okay. So the last kind of few questions up here that I want to finish with, uh, you know, game-related questions, kind of more overarching things. You know, let's start on a positive before we get to the kind of soul-destroying existential answers. What was your game of the year? What was the game that you you had the most fun watching and you know you're like, yeah, this is, you know, this is why I watch this team. This one's an easy one. It's obviously the Minnesota game at Lambeau. Yeah. Just because it had it was the only time that you really saw the Packers giving 100% throughout the whole game. It was probably the most complete game the Packers have had in a while. And just to see the players flying around to the ball, whether it's the offense, defense, whatever it is, you know, even seeing Mason out there doinking the 56 yarder over the crossbar, you know, I think that was the best game I've, I saw all year. I mean, there's some honorable mentions, the Miami game, uh, obviously finally beating Brady and the bucks down in, in Florida, but I think the my favorite game of the year has to be the the Minnesota game at Lambeau. Yeah, I think you know every season we kind of get these like really like lights out performances from this Packers team. You know, I think of you know twenty nineteen um, we get that that uh, second game against the Vikings. Twenty twenty we get that end of season game. You know, second last uh, game of the season against the Titans. You know, uh, last year we had that game against um, against the Vikings again. And um, yeah, this season again, you know, once, well, again, against the Vikings, you know, it's, it's we always kind of, we lose one and then we get one with the Vikings. But, you know, it's so, you can't argue any other game. Just, yeah, the, the way that they, you know, it's the first time they really, you know, you hear this all the time on Twitter, especially. It's like, you know, punch the Packers in the mouth and they won't respond. They, they got punched in the mouth several times to start that game. You know, they didn't score on the opening drive. They, um, you know, the, the, the fumble on special teams, was it? Or, uh, you know, they, they, this, what happened to give the, the Vikings the, the ball at the goal line again? Um, uh, was, I think it was a fumble on special was teams it the, or something like that, right? Wasn't it Keyshawn's fumble? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, like, like the very start of the game, you know, he he fumbles that ball. The the Packers, uh, the Vikings offense has the ball at the five yard line, and they don't score. You know, it, it, it moments like that, and they come back and like what you mentioned earlier in the show, the Keyshawn comes back to get that touchdown, and then you know the picks, and then the Justin Jefferson stuff, and then the gritty, and it's just oh, you know, it's just, it makes you smile just thinking about it. I mean, what what a what a game and. You know, they're one of the only bright spots of this season. But I mean, my God, what a game it was! Definitely, I, I that was the lone bright spot for me. Yeah. Um, now let's go back to the other side. What was the most painful loss of the year? And this is not necessarily one that was like you know this like just because of uh, like not. Not just because, you know, maybe you know, the Lions game, just because we got knocked out of the playoffs and whatever your answer is, but something that was like, oh man, the Packers, they should have won that. Or, you know, like, I don't understand how we got here. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> right now, going through my head, the biggest toss up is either the Giants or the Jets game. Hmm. The Giants, because it's the first time the Packers went over to England over to London and just how heartbreaking it was to lose, uh, you know, last minute. Um, but then the jets game where they kind of let Zach Wilson just run all over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's Zach Wilson's career. <laughs> yeah. So I, I probably the jets is what I'm going to go with. Cause the Packers could have easily beat the jets. I mean, mm-hmm. looking at it now, the Giants are doing 
fairly well. I mean, they just knocked out the Vikings in the playoffs. So, you know, they were a lot better than what we expected them to be. But so I, I think I'll go with the Jets game. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, there's a few contenders for this one. I think the one that really, you know, when I kind of knew that this team was like fucked was that first Lions game. Because, you know, we just had so many injuries. That's when Rashawn went down. And I think Romeo gets injured on, like, the like the, the second play of the like, of the game. I'm just like, oh, my God. This, I like, can't believe that, you know, against... And, like, you know, we, we, well, we the worst defense in the league at the time. Not even close. And they had, like, they scored, what, like, 10 points or something? It's just like, oh, yeah, that one, that one sucked. And it's these games that, like... Yeah, like that Giants game, especially, it's because they were in the lead. They could have won that game. It wasn't like it was, you know, they kept making mistakes at the start of the game and they're never in it. It was like, no, they were they were winning that game and they should have won that game. It was the mistakes that put themselves out of it. I mean, they lost that game for themselves. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, my, my pick is probably the, 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 the first Lions game just because the, the loss of Rashad Gary. Makes sense. I really don't have any more to add to it because you pretty much hit on all the notes to it. Yeah. Um, what game do you think was kind of like that defined the way this season went? You know, a team that struggled and had a few bright spots here and there, but really was just a bit disappointing, kind of fell flat. I mean, what what performance felt like that to you? I'm going to say the Patriots game. Really? That's interesting. I didn't expect that. Well, it, because, yeah, it was a win, but it goes to show the Packers could do good and then turn around and do bad and do good and turn around and do bad and do good. You, you know what I mean? It was that whole – the Patriots game was that whole roller coaster where, mm-hmm. you know, they should have won handedly because they were facing – they looked like they were going to go on and win handedly. They knocked out Brian Hoyer – Bailey Zappi comes in, you know, they're down to their third string quarterback. And, you know, it, I that one went to overtime, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just the, oh, God, don't make me think about that. <laughs> Fucking the whole backup quarterback thing. And, yeah, yeah, going, yeah, going into overtime against Bailey Zappi. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I mean. It just, it, that was the defining game of the Packers season. That they could, they had their good moments, but then, you know, they play, they played like shit in other moments. So it, and it all encompassed one game. That whole season, the whole season was encompassed by that one game. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's actually, that's actually a really, really good pick. I totally erased that from my memory. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> for me, I think, you know, that last Lions game, I think, was just like the epitome of everything for this Packers team. You know, Christian Watson still gets 100 yards, no worries. But <laughs> this team is absolutely struggles. Aaron Jones is nowhere to be seen once again. The defense is okay and does just enough, but really is whatever. You know, I think the... The, the, the fact that they had the ability to win that game and they just couldn't, the offense can't get moving despite having everyone available. The O-line disappointing. Aaron Rodgers is coming up short once again. Uh, your suspect play calling, the, the, the horrible red zone offense. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, I mean, the special, special teams was good in that game, I think, for the most part. Um, but it's, it's everything to me about that game and the fact that, that you know it ended with them falling flat on their face and, um, getting embarrassed by the Lions in those first those last couple plays there, that's kind of what the season was to me. Yeah, I I mean I can't disagree because I honestly think again you could pick any game in from this season to say that's what this team was. I mean whether it was a win, whether it was a loss, that's what this team was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they played the same game for a lot of the season, so I can definitely see that. So to finish up here, the last kind of thing I want to I want to end this show on is how exactly would you sum up this season? Just give me like you know a short phrase or you know just a couple words, just like something that you would kind of you know if someone said what did the twenty twenty two Packers you know bring to the table? What did they mean to you? How would you respond? Trash. <laughs> dumpster fire 
Well, now you're just going easy I, on them. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of words I could use to describe it, but I don't know if you want me to say them on here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will. Dumpster fire. Just, I I think that's my my thing for it is dumpster fire because that's really what it was. You know, it, it was a contained fire, so it wasn't burning down buildings or anything, but it was blowing hot in that dumpster. Mm. Yeah. I think in, in a lot of ways, this was really kind of the worst outcome we could have had for this season. You know, oh, no, it could have been a lot worse, but <laughs> not, not to say that there, were, there wasn't good things about this team, but you know, the fact that this is really, if I had, if you know, if someone asked me, what is the worst position a team could be in, in the NFL? This is really it. I mean, a team that's overextended their window and gone all in for the third season in the row now, their, 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 their cap situation is absolutely abhorrent going into next year. Um, and, you know, we didn't get into the playoffs and we also didn't get a really a great draft pick. And also there's so many questions about the quarterback situation and there's so many holes on this roster and there's a lot of disappointment and meh. And also, by the way, we're probably still keeping Joe Barry and also probably not going to be much improvement from the offense, just relying on the exact same coaches and players, most likely. Continuity, man. Continuity. Yeah, we just want to, you know, we just want to keep the continuity and just, you know, pray that things just magically get better. Um, yeah, I think for me, I think to sum up this season, it's really kind of just, I don't know, I, 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 I always just think of the regression on this team, uh, you know, um, or kind of, yeah, you know, limbo is kind of how I would describe this, this feeling, right? You're kind of in between, in between, you know, picking between Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers and the kind of mixture of these two half-assed players at the same time and, yeah, not being in the playoffs and not getting a good good, good draft slot. and Yeah, I guess, I guess limbo is kind of how I would describe this. <laughs> NFL purgatory. I won't say it's a bad draft spot. It I mean, might not be a top 10 pick by any means, but think about where Rashawn was drafted at. Think about where Jair was drafted at. You know, it was right around the same pick. I think Jair was number 16 and Rashawn was 12. He was, yeah. Rashawn was 12 and I think Jair was, yeah, like 16 or 17. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad draft pick by any means, but, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm never going to say the Packers should lose out, but, you know, the, the thing that I come back to is that do you really believe that if Jordan Love had started even just that stretch where Roger's thumb was, like, legit broken is there really like do you really believe that their love their record would have been any worse this is gonna sound weird to you but i think it could have been better that, that's kind of where i'm at and in any you know in any case i don't think with this what we saw what we have seen of jordan love and what the front office thinks of him and the, the roster they had this year I don't think there's any reason to believe they couldn't have been the exact same record, if not better, with Jordan Love. Well, I'm not going to say it that way, because I think, you know, I think we still would have lost a few games under Jordan. But I think it would have given Rodgers time to get his thumb healed, and he wouldn't have took the shot to the ribs. And I think we could have won more games leading into the season finale than what we did. So while we may not have went on that five-game losing streak with Jordan Love, we probably would have went two and three, you know, something like that. But it still would have been enough that when Rodgers came back healthy with a healthy thumb, I think it would have we would have had a much better season. That's and it. if you remember, if you remember. I told him in one of our earlier episodes, sit your ass down if you're not healthy enough. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, um, I think, yeah, I mean, at the, very, you know, the funny thing is that at the very least, if, you know, I think there's no, I, I think it's very difficult to argue that Rodgers didn't actively lose us that first Lions game, right? Three picks and, well, I think no touchdowns, right? Um, it's, you know, if if he just put Jordan Love in that game alone, and he and he wins that game for us purely by virtue of not turning the ball over three times in the red zone, I think 
you know, the, 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 just by that one win, the Packers are already locked into the playoffs. So like, the, the, just like that one game, the, the, by by the record, the Packers already would have been in the playoffs by the time that that last game rolled around. So <laughs> it's just like su- such a brutal position because you don't find out anything more about Jordan Love. You're kind of stuck with another year of Aaron Rodgers being whatever. And yeah, it just sucks. Yeah, but that's what hindsight is all about is you can, you know, like I said earlier, you can play the if game all you want. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. It's, it's also because I you know I was on the train that Rodgers should have been gone after that second season, that's the second MVP season. So, but you know, whatever. We're, we're here now. We're with the Packers in the way that they are. And we're kind of going into the next season with a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, there's so many questions to be answered over the course of this off season. Um, but yeah, you know, me and Joe are going to be here doing a lot of off season coverage. We're going to be going over the draft, every single position. We're going to be, you know, bringing on a few guests to kind of break it down with us. Um, and obviously if anyone who listens to the show has any questions about, you know, things they want to want us to kind of go into and talk about, you know, you're more than welcome to add us on, on Twitter as always. Just kind of a, a scheduling note, Nick and I have been talking and we're going to take the next two weeks off. Um, so you will not get a new episode in the next two weeks, but we're going to come back starting in February and that's when we're going to start our draft coverage, but we want to take the two weeks off so we can get our program programming information started. We can start digging into positions. We can get guests scheduled and, you know, kind of see what we want to do for the off season, but we're not going away. We'll be back in two weeks maybe even a week and a half, who knows. Um, But don't think something happened to us just because you're not going to get an episode in the next two weeks. Yeah. I mean, look, for being real, it's just so I have two weeks to build my Christian Watson shrine in my house. So, you know, it's just, it it takes up a lot of time. (laughs) If something does, if we don't come back, it's all Nick's fault. Um. So just just remember that if if we happen to not come back, it's all Nick's fault. Yeah, and also don't forget, guys. I'll put up another post soon as well. But we are doing a giveaway once we reach a hundred followers on the at Outback underscore Packers account on Twitter. If you follow and like, you know, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff, you're more likely to get a chance to get this. Uh, the, you know, the the John Coon eight by ten signed autographed. It's all on Twitter. I'll make another post about it. But um, yeah, don't hesitate to get in on that, guys. And there's no purchase necessary. All, you don't even have to retweet. Just follow Outback Packers. You know, get them, get Outback Packer up to 100 followers. We'll randomly throw all the names into a, or we'll throw the names in a randomizer and, you know, pull a name out of the hat like that. And like I said, you don't have to retweet to enter. You don't have to sign up to enter. Just follow the Outback Packers uh, uh, Twitter. And once we hit 100, you know, we'll give away the John Kuhn autographed 8x10. And if it matters at all, it is from Waukesha Sports Cards, which I know if you're from the Wisconsin area, is a pretty big uh, memorabilia store when it comes to Packers autographs. Um, So, yes, I think that's, that's all from us for today, guys. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Outback underscore Packers, me at Nicholas GRGR, and Joe at Iowa underscore Joe86. Until next time, see you later.